The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of The Karate Kid, where we will discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings of this awesome 1984 movie. And joining me today on the panel are Mike Denz. Hey, Mike. Hey, Dom's son. <laughs> and Steve Nelson. Hey, Steve. <laughs> I can't follow that up. Hello, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and David Hanlos. Hey, David. How's it going? Before we get to our discussion, I want to remind everyone to go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from from, and write a review, leave a rating, and to share the podcast with your friends. That is the number one way that helps us grow this community of listeners and reach more people. So we really do appreciate that, and it's really important. And I want to tell you about another show on the StarQuest Network you are sure to enjoy called The Secrets of Middle Earth. And you can find that wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash Middle Earth. All right. So as I mentioned, we're discussing this great movie this from 1984, The Karate Kid. And let me give you a recap. Karate Kid is a classic coming-of-age martial arts film. It revolves around Daniel LaRusso, a teenager who moves to California with his mother to start anew. However, he faces relentless bullying from the students of the Cobra Kai Dojo, led by their merciless sensei, John Kreese. Despite the challenges, Daniel forms a connection with Allie Mills, a popular girl at school, which further fuels the conflict with her ex-boyfriend, Johnny Lawrence. To stand up against the bullies, Daniel seeks the help of Mr. Miyagi, a wise and skilled karate master who works as the maintenance man in his apartment complex. Mr. Miyagi agrees to teach Daniel karate, but starts with seemingly unrelated tasks that help him build muscle memory and proper techniques. With Mr. Miyagi's guidance, Daniel's confidence grows. He competes in the All-Valley Karate Tournament to prove himself. Throughout the tournament, he faces tough opponents, including Johnny. Despite Johnny's aggressive tactics, Daniel adheres to Mr. Miyagi's teachings and wins with the crane kick, the unstoppable maneuver. <laughs> so they say. This victory <laughs> earns him the respect of the crowd and even Johnny, who offers him a handshake, symbolizing their newfound mutual respect. For now, the film's enduring message of perseverance, mentorship and inner strength has made Karate Kid a beloved classic that continues to inspire generations. This is Karate Kid, a I would say a very Gen X movie. This is the ultimate male Gen X movie, right? Am I wrong? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's up there. And so many phrases. And, and a bunch of boomer dads who would say, see, if you did your chores, then you can kick butt like he did. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yeah. yeah. You yes. don't understand what I'm trying to teach you. <laughs> <laughs> and it, the, the, I should say this movie spawned a bunch of sequels, Karate Kid 2 and 3, uh, a reboot movie starring Jaden Smith and Jackie Chan, which came out in 2010, I think, and a very successful, I think it was originally YouTube TV, but then moved to Netflix series, Cobra Kai, which picks up with Johnny and Daniel 35 years later or so. And uh, like YouTube Red or something. Yeah, like that. it was a YouTube yeah. thing, and then it moved to Netflix. And we will definitely be talking about those other movies and that show in future episodes. But this time, we're going to be talking about Cobra Kai. So let's start with our overall 
impression of this movie. What do you think of Karate Kid? Steve, let's start with you. I mean, the theme sort of interests me the most is the relationship between Daniel and Mr. Miyagi. So Daniel shows up in California without a father figure. And Mr. Miyagi, his first meeting with Mr. Miyagi doesn't go very well. Mr. Miyagi is a little angry, like, why are you bothering me, kid? But then he becomes more and more involved and he goes from someone who's a defender of Daniel in the midst of the fighting to a teacher. And at the end, he's more of a father figure, I think. And so you see this character progression from the first meeting to where they have a really strong, close relationship and it's more than just friends. Yep. Yes, that's true. I do want to come back to that father, the father question as we go along. How about you, Mike? What is your overall impression of this movie? I loved it because I love feel good movies. I love a movie where I can totally buy into the male lead falling in love with the female lead because I still am in love with Elizabeth Shue. (laughs) My wife knows this. It's just a part of me. She will always be one of my first loves. I was 13. When I saw it and I just was like, oh, wow, wow. So that was a huge thing. And, and, but also just, this was like karate Star Wars. This was Luke and Obi-Wan and the the whole kind of thing, how it went through and their relationship. And yeah. And another thing too is, and it's funny that Steve brought up dad. I I rarely remember because sometimes Dom or whoever's leading will say, so when do you remember seeing it? And I'm like, I don't remember seeing it. I'm not really sure. This, I remember seeing it with my dad and we didn't go to movies weren't really my dad's thing, but we went to this one, just him and I in the, the theater in our little town of East Aurora, where it's just a one theater. And I remember where we were sitting and I remember him really liking Mr. Miyagi. And yeah, so that was special for me too. But I think my biggest remembrance of it is just how cool feel good was it? And Elizabeth Shue. <laughs> oh yeah. How about you, David? Yeah, it's there's, I like the, I think we all like, yeah, we all like the feel good movies, but it's just, it's triumph over adversity type of thing. And just the underlying message of don't judge a book by its cover, whether it's Daniel's son or whether it's Mr. Miyagi, mm-hmm. in both cases it works. I had to learn that I got, as I got older, I appreciated the, that theme a little bit more because when I was in college, wasn't very, ever very good at it, but I was it on K, K State's judo team and there was an, and there was a, who was led, and we were led by an Okinawan who was, retired professor who looked like he could have been 80 years old and made us do things that we didn't think were relevant, but were useful later. So it's, it apparently, maybe that's a real, maybe that's a real technique. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. For my part. (laughs) (laughs) For the first month solid, he just made us fall. He would, they would just throw us over and over until we get, so we could take a hit. Oh, for my part. I was exactly Daniel's age in the movie when I saw this. So this was aimed right at me and super huge impression. I was a little taken aback to see Mr. Arnold from Happy Days in this one, Mr. Miyagi. (laughs) But uh, it was awesome. And I love it. It was all those things. The standing up to bullies, the triumphing over the rich guys who had it all, the good looking guys who had the girl. And he and Daniel comes along. He's he doesn't fit in. And he doesn't really care to necessarily. He doesn't worry about fitting in. And he just, through adversity, triumphs. And I loved that part of it. And the 
aspects of the, the relationship with Mr. Miyagi, the authority figure the, that he could look up to. So all those things really made this a great movie for me at that age. My parents were in the process of splitting up at the time. So maybe that had something to do with it too, to see Daniel as the son of a father who was absent of some sort. And he ended up you know, showing up in California and getting a grandfatherly figure or a, da- a fatherly figure. So I love that. Daniel was not, he was not a good kid in some respects at the beginning of the movie because he started some of the fights that happened. Yeah. Or, or at least caused yeah, them. Yeah, he, he, was, he was not perfect, but he wasn't perfect by any means, but he did not exactly deserve all the abuse. No, of the that's, yeah, he's he up more than he can no. chew. <laughs> but he certainly, he had a bit of an ego and didn't back down when he could have, certainly. Yeah, especially in the face of three or four guys in front of him. Maybe you should let the ego go. There's a, a little bit of East Coast ego going on there, I think. Um, so what some of the big themes in this movie, it's, of course, it's a coming of age movie. It's Daniel becoming a man. It's a fish out of water classic. He's the kid from the East Coast coming to the West Coast. He's New York versus L.A. He's rich versus poor. You have all of these clashes between different sectors of society, different parts of culture. So you have that. There's also a big theme of domination. I I was trying to find the right word for it, but domination versus mercy and peacefulness and aggression versus self-defense. Those are huge parts of this movie to me as well. The the phrase that popped in my, my mind was for the Cobra Kai, it was like might makes right. And then Mr. Miyagi was the peacemaker knowing that there's a limit to being a peacemaker. Right. At some point, especially given his personal history, which we can talk about in a bit, he understands that sometimes you have to, you have to fight, but that's the last resort. Whereas for Cobra Kai, it was always the first resort. If you have strength, if you have a weapon, use it. You know, if you have strength, use it to get what you want. It's very Machiavellian. Strike first, strike fast. Yeah. Right. Exactly. No mercy. It's interesting. You had the height of the Cold War. Yeah. In 1984. And you could relate it to Mr. Miyagi saying you you build up an arsenal so you don't have to fight. Like you don't want to f- shoot missiles at us because we got missiles. Right. So you don't want to fight me because I know karate. So maybe we should just talk it out. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so we talked about the the idea, the theme of mentorship and guidance and that Daniel had, he had it's not even that he doesn't his father's absent. He's fatherless in this. There is no mention, no, no no thought to him. And I think it's on purpose because Daniel has to essentially stand alone and then have his mother, who's a bit absent. She's working. She's a single working mom. This is a very Gen X thing, right? The Lashkey kid. We come home, we do an empty house. Our moms are out working or dads are working. And that was a, a very common experience for Gen Xers. And that's Johnny. Like his mom is trying to, trying to make a living for both of them. And in fact, Johnny doesn't have a dad either visibly in the movie, in this movie. And the only visible father, like literal father in this, I think, is Allie's dad, right? He's the only dad, like actual dad we see. And she's the most well-adjusted of the bunch, frankly, of all the kids that we see. So I, I thought that was interesting. And it's Mr. Miyagi and John Kreese, the Cobra Kai sensei, who are the father figures. And what contrasting father figures they are. They're both hard on their quote-unquote sons, but one is just abusive, and that's John Creed. He's just 
a jerk. He probably should be locked up and not around, around kids. That's another 1984 thing that someone like him would be allowed to be alone with kids. And <laughs> right, exactly. That <laughs> Do that. Parents wouldn't be at the dojo with their kids and seeing this awful stuff going on. That would be today. Yeah. It's yeah. not until the third movie that we get his backstory, right? His Vietnam War experience. It must be. Yeah. You see the stuff on the wall, like his stuff, but they really don't talk yeah. about it. Right. Like there's pictures on the dojo. This is Rambo pose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's got this picture of him holding a weapon, looking like Rambo out, out of the movie. So there's this theme of mentorship and guidance. He's learning karate. But in the process of learning karate, he's learning about life. That's a very common theme in these sorts of things. It's get balance, self-discipline, inner strength, those sorts of things. Um, one of the things I, I like about Mr. Miyagi is he's somewhat, he's unorthodox, right? We talked about the wax on, wax off, which is a phrase I still use with my kids today. And they, until I, I recently showed them, I, my kids recently started karate. So I had to show them karate kid. And so they're like, oh, that's where wax on wax off comes from. That, yeah. But he's a bit like Tom Sawyer-ish in that sense. He's get gets Daniel to do all his chores for him. I thought, but he's also very enigmatic. He doesn't explain. He just do it and you'll understand. And I, I found that a really interesting aspect of the character. He just doesn't, he doesn't explain everything. He just Leads him through. Just trust me. He wants Daniel to trust him, and he's building trust in that. What do you think? It's a little bit of a a Jesus figure, a Christ-like figure. Just come and see. Trust me. Yep. Follow me. You're not going to understand everything right away. That kind of thing. Because he's not only building Daniel's muscle memory, but he's also building trust. If you trust me, good things will happen. So right in the middle, he's right in the beginning is we have to make sacred pact. They squat down and he's, I promise teach you karate. You do. You're the student. Don't, you can't be middle of the road or squish. You have to be all in. Right. So right there, it's okay. You have to do whatever I say. And once he got him like that, he can start paint the fence and wax the cars, <laughs> the whole thing. But if you trust me, you got to do this. And he's also building his trust. And then the big reward comes and the, everyone's favorite scene, or at least mine, when he figures out how good at defending karate he suddenly is. Yes. It's like Mr. Miyagi had this innate sense of how to deal with teenage boys. You have right. to lead them to understanding. You can't just beat them over the head with it. <laughs> right. Yeah. They have to come to it themselves. They can't, you can't just tell them this is the way it is because that gets their back up. They, this is the, the testosterone <laughs> kicks in. No, no, you have to show them this is why this is the way. You have to lead them to water. You got to wonder if that was how he, how that was part of his upbringing too. Cause. Exactly. He does mention his father a little bit in this one, but I think we get a lot more about his dad and his upbringing in part in Carnegie too, which as I was saying before we started, I think it might be my favorite. I'll I'll have to rethink about it after I've watched it again, because for our our next recording of the karate uh, in the karate kid Miyagi verse, as we were saying, but uh, yeah, the, some of that might be because of the girl in that one, like you and Al, like me, it was me and the Okinawan girl in that one. I don't remember her name. Oh yeah. Yeah. She, she reappeared in the day after tomorrow. No. What was the one where most of the North America froze and they had, yeah. yeah and they day had after to go tomorrow. day after tomorrow. Yeah. Day after yes. tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. She was the Chinese girl in that. Uh, the same actress. Was? I don't yeah. think I ever put that together. Yeah. Wow. I know. IMDB, you decide to learn stuff. Like, oh my gosh. I knew she looked a little familiar. Well, she shows up in Cobra Kai too, doesn't she? 
Uh, yeah. Yep. Same oh, actress. Hey. He goes back and sees her in uh, Okinawa. Oh, wow. I haven't got there that far yet, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, you got some stuff to look forward to. <laughs> <laughs> See, middle of season two, I was telling the guys. So I'm working my way through it. So another key theme in this movie is bullying. The problem of bullying and bullying is still a problem for kids today. It just is handled differently, maybe by adults in their lives or for good or for ill. But one of the things, one of the things I think that the movie's telling us is suffering like bullying can make you hard and angry and turn you into another bully. And we see that with Johnny because Johnny is bullied by crease. And then, so Johnny turns around and he's a bully to others. And I think that's a subtle point that they're making or maybe not so subtle, or it can make you resilient and compassionate and forgiving like Daniel, who ends up defending himself and others. And this, the, these two different paths that can, you can take with in, in response to bullying and the opposite of bully is not victim. It's defender, frankly, I think. Mm. And I think that's, a, I think that's a key aspect of the lesson that Daniel learns in this. Uh, aggressor versus defender. Right. Yeah, exactly. I think also you see here, there is no attempt to, we got to go at some point he goes into the dojo and, and uh, says, you got to stop beating him up while I'm training him. But in the beginning, it's not uh, about oh we got to go tell these parents that this kid's getting picked on and we got to put no bullying signs up in the school <laughs> because it's silly to think that you're somehow going to erase bullies from the earth. You, you, you're, if you don't teach people how to deal with bullies correctly and how to stand up for yourself and how to, I'm not saying fight, but at least you have the self-confidence to know that it, it, you'll be okay. Somebody, you're always going to run into another bully. Right. And so Daniel learns that I learned karate so I don't have to fight, but I, it also, he also learns how to be a defender and, and how to deal with bullies. And even if Johnny's not the bully, there'll be another bully. So you have to, you have to learn those lessons. And that's one of the failings of the idea of, yeah, sure, tell people not to be bullies, but you're always going to have them. So what do you do? You got to teach kids how to deal with it when that happens. Yeah, I think that without Mr. Miyagi, Daniel would have resorted to the same tactics as the other Cobra Kai. And then he would have more or less sold his soul and become one of them rather than the good versus evil kind of thing where he chose, didn't choose the dark side. If I can mix <laughs> metaphors in there. <laughs> no, I think that's a good point. If Daniel hadn't found Mr. Miyagi, he might have either turned in on himself and turned away from the world and everyone else and hidden away for the rest of his high school career or formed another rival gang or something fought back in a way. Mike, what you were saying, what it would say, it's not like you were saying, it's not an either or thing. It's you have to teach kids not to be bullies. Then yet, and you also have to teach kids to stand up to bullies. And that's the, it's gotta be both. And sometimes that pendulum swings too far in the either direction, but really in, in this, you know, Johnny's a bully and Mr. Miyagi stands up to them and teaches Daniel to stand up to them. But the entire time I, I was, I, I am as a parent now watching this, which is very different from when I was watching as a kid thinking, thinking where are the parents? Where's Johnny's parents to tell him, Oh, what are you doing? Why are you a jerk to these kids? And it's interesting. We've, I don't know if we find out, I haven't seen Karate Kid three or, or I haven't seen it in so long. A lot of people haven't seen Karate Kid 3. Yeah, but, <laughs> but I know we see his stepfather in Cobra Kai and it turns out to explain a lot for why Johnny was the way he was. The uh, teaching him to stand up to the bully, teaching karate also leads him to some inner peace because I think Daniel showed up in California 
with a lot of with a lot of inner demons, a lot of anger, resentment. He didn't want to go, didn't want to leave his neighborhood, his friends. He was a bit of an angry kid and hot-headed and impulsive. And Mr. Miyagi showed him how to let go of all that and to find some inner peace. And I think as a kid watching that, that was an interesting idea that Daniel could train in this martial art and find peace. And teenage boys are full of all kinds of big emotions that they don't know how to deal with. And this was part of Johnny's, Danny's, Daniel's maturation and growing out of adolescence. Oh, yeah, and, uh, I I grew up on. No, a, I'm go sorry, ahead. I didn't mean to jump on top of you. Oh, just, just go along. I can go. I, no, I'm go. <laughs> <laughs> so I grew up on a military base. I didn't actually go anywhere, but I always said uh, our friends would all rotate every three years. So just to your point about, th- th- especially when kids kids would arrive their freshman scene, they'd just arrive at different points of their high school career. Just we had a saying at some time, we had a saying, I'm going to botch it, but it was something along the lines of, you know, when you're traveling and when you're traveling as a kid, a lot of times, you know, you always bring a lot of baggage. It's a, right. You always, you know, you always end up coming to, coming to the base with a lot of baggage and not all of it's this, not all of it's in your suitcase. Yeah, this is true. Steve, did you have something you wanted to add on that too? I've forgotten. Oh no, I didn't remember what it was. <laughs> I think part of the evolution of Daniel is shown in that one scene where Mr. Miyagi is feeling really sad about his wife and he's drunk mm. and Daniel becomes the caretaker in that instance, which is not something yes. I think he would have done before that, before right. meeting Mr. Miyagi. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, there's also the, like, going in the direction you're talking, there's a theme of balance. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Miyagi teaches him balance on the canoe and he's also insinuates that there's more to, you have to start with balance. And if you don't have balance, you're just going to get knocked over. And that leads into the balance of life that goes full circle when Daniel's, I can't go out like this. You've made your point, what, that I can take a beating? No, I'll never have balance with anybody if they get the best of me like this. So he had to go back out. And so he learned the lesson of what what was important and what he had to do. Yeah, you definitely see how, and they talk about you play football, you play do something and it helps you become a better man or a better person and you learn life lessons and stuff. But this was a lot. This was a a definite maturation movie, Mm -hmm. big time. I wanted to mention, you mentioned that scene of Mr. Miyagi's uh, grief and in relation to the, there's a, a big theme of this coming together of cultures, American culture and Japanese culture. Early 80s, America was still coming to a new understanding of Japan, our relationship to Japan, Japanese culture. Do you remember Shogun, the miniseries, was huge just a few years before that. I think that was a big thing in helping people, Americans and Japanese to, to uh, connect again after World War II. Japanese manufacturing was kicking our butts. What was that great movie starring? It was about the uh, auto plant. Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. It was a Michael yeah. Keaton. Oh, man. Oh, oh my goodness. I, I've, I still, I just, I, I'm, I just, I'm just picturing them all doing, I'm just picturing them all doing jumping jacks and stuff. Uh, Mr. On the, Mom. In the movie. No, Mr. Mom was a different no. one where he had to be the same era. Yeah. 
Yeah, I can look it up, but Ramada in. I still remember the, that line from the, I have no idea what the context of that. But in any case, we were, Japanese manufacturing was kicking Americans, uh, manufacturers, but it was this whole thing between these cultures. And so Karate Kid shows up and you have this Mr. Miyagi who you love. You really come to love this guy and you learn this history. But at first he's just some, an immigrant who got this lowly job as a maintenance man. Oh, but he's got some skills and, oh, he's got all these amazing cars in this beautiful house. And then you find out he has, he's a, a Medal of Honor winner from World War II. He was part of the 100th Infantry Regiment at, in Italy at Anzio. This is a real thing, right? The 100th Infantry Regiment was from the Hawaii National Guard and was composed almost entirely of Monte Cassino and some of the worst battles of World War of World War II in Italy. I just got done reading a history of World War II in Italy because I'm a American man over the age of fifty, and that's required after reading military history. But it was like you have this; they placed this character in that unit. It was the most decorated unit in the European theater in World War II, and you have Mr. Miyagi who has this Medal of Honor, and then we find out his wife and son, his unborn son died in an internment camp. This guy who is an American hero, and we put his wife and son in an internment camp. And if this was a film made in 2023, that's what this movie would be about. But it's a movie made in 1984, and they make their point. They don't beat us over the head with it. We understand the horror of it. And that's enough. You know what I mean? I, I don't think we should ignore it or sweep it under the rug, of course, but they they made a very powerful point in that scene. It was, I think, the most powerful scene because this Mr. Miyagi had himself together the whole movie. He was very put together, except for this one scene. And like you said, he had to, Daniel had to turn the tables and take care of his father figure. I love that scene. It's a It's an amazing moment of character growth between them. It's funny because... <clears throat> It's my least favorite scene only because it's difficult. Yeah. There's a lot of the scenes like, oh, this is good. Oh, I like this. This is good. He's about to ch catch the fly with the chopsticks. Okay, cool. <laughs> All that stuff. But when you get to that scene, it's like, oh, this is rough. This is, I, this is a tough thing. But it does take a real, it's a real serious turn. And one of the reasons that's difficult is because Mr. Miyagi's not perfect. He's drunk. He's acting stupid. And you're, you're, Father figure hero is not invincible in that scene. So that's part of the difficulty of watching. I think if they had done much more in that vein, then the movie would, they run the risk of the movie becoming more about Mr. Miyagi than about Daniel. And right. I think they came right up to that perfect edge and without crossing that line. If you think about when this was filmed in 84 or released in 84, I mean, was it was still, it was a long time ago, but at the same time, it was still fresh enough that the kids could have asked mom, their mom or dad or grandpa, did that really happen? And now, like you said, 2023, some people don't even realize that happened in the first place. So it was still fresh enough back then. They didn't have to really, I feel like they, they could, like you said, they can make the point and move on because everyone knew what they were talking about. Right. It was still pretty fresh. My grandpa had lots of things to talk about that era. Right. And that's the interesting aspect of this is we mentioned, Steve, about how it's, it would have any more would have risked turning into a movie about Miss Miyagi. The, the effect that this has on Daniel, and that's really what this scene is about, is how it opens Daniel's eyes and makes him see 
Mr. Miyagi as more than just the old master teacher who can give him something, this effort. And I think it's a moment that a lot of us come to with our own parents, and especially boys and their fathers, that moment when our father becomes more than just the authority, but becomes, you know, human and humanized. And we, we not that he has uh, feet of clay, but that he becomes a man, becomes flesh and blood as opposed to this authority figure and that we love, who loves us, but he's not our, dad's not all powerful. He's not perfect. And I know my kids still think of me as perfect, but I, I try to gently let them know that I'm not on a regular basis. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't think you're doing a very good job of that. Uh, no, it's perfect. But I really, I really like how the movie is using this experience with with Mr. Miyagi to expand. He does seem different after this. This is a turning point for Daniel in this movie. The uh, one of the other things is the uh, themes of this movie is redemption and honor, and it's interesting way to end this movie they could have ended the movie with daniel defeating johnny the hero the villain goes down in ignominious defeat we never see him again he's crying off in a corner and that's that but they do an interesting thing here which is that johnny shows a sense of honor by apologizing to daniel giving him respect and and we see crease he still remains the villain he he dismisses the weakness in johnny for do, for doing that but it's, I thought it was a very interesting idea that Johnny gets a redemption arc at the end of the movie, a bit of a redemption from the bad deed he did and from being Cobra Kai. What do you think? I agree with you where just in those final scenes, he didn't want to make the cheap shot. He wanted to fight Daniel and whoever won, whoever lost. Has he been a jerk this whole movie? Yeah, but he wanted to fight fair. Right. And they built on that and they actually made him out not to be a complete one-dimensional jerk. And I thought that was good. Yeah. As you're building up, it's not Johnny who injures Daniel. It's the other kid. And basically what Kreese is, is doing is telling Johnny, I think you probably might lose. So we're going to have to take him out. And so that's, right. there's no confidence there. And then when he's fighting him, he's sweep the leg, which is go after the injury that we cheated to give him. And once again, Johnny's, I can beat him without, but you're telling me. So there, it's not out of the blue, Anakin suddenly becoming Darth Vader. I'm sorry, I I digress. But it was, (laughs) it it was like you could see it coming. And and then he insists on taking the trophy and says, I'm going to give it to him. This kid, I, I, we cheated and everything. And he still won that. He was impressed with true honor and true grit. And that spoke to him more than Kreese was speaking to him. Yeah, I thought that the, I, don't, I can't remember his name, the actor that played Johnny in that one scene where he's talking to Crease and Crease is telling him to sweep the leg. You can just see the battle going on in his face over that. Right. You know, yeah, he's wiping the blood from his nose good, at the time. I could see it. I sweep the leg. I thought that was a good bit of acting right there because you could see the the conflict in his face. There's a, speaking of sweep the leg, there's a song by a group called No More Kings called Sweep the Leg. It is so good. It is based on this scene. Sweep the leg, Johnny. It's oh, you guys gotta. It's on Apple Music and Spotify. You gotta check it out. I play it all the time. My kids know it. Did not it's know that. The best. I would think that I wouldn't yes. be surprised if there was a wax the floor or stand the floor, but sweep the leg. That's wow. Was, that's pretty good. William Zabka, by the way, is the actor who plays Johnny. Yeah, yeah. 
I re- I remember someone telling me a Pat Morita story related to he's the actor plays Mr. Miyagi related to Catholicism and. Here it is. Pat Morita explains in this article, I'll put a link in the show notes, how a Catholic priest inspired him to adopt the name of Pat or Patrick. He did this interview before he died. He goes, my name at birth was Noriyuki Morita. And people ask me often, how did I come by the name of Pat or Patrick? He explained, I started in show business as a stand-up comedian, which I would love to see oh, as stand-up yes. comedian. And most of the comics were named either Jackie this or Pat that. There was Pat Henry and Pat Cooper and Pat whatever, Jackie Mason, Jackie Gale. But that comes from another. Uh, so I decided I wanted to be a Pat, but that comes from another place and its origin as far as my life's concerned. I spent nine years in a hospital from ages two to 11. I had spinal tuberculosis and for the most part was immobilized for seven of those nine years with a cast from shoulder to knee. During that stay, there was a priest who used to come to visit the wards, and there's a Protestant minister and a Catholic priest. And over the years, Father O'Connor, Father Cornelius O'Connor, would come to visit all the children in the ward. And I always felt envious because the only Catholics in the ward were Hispanic, and I think a couple of Native American kids and some Irish, but those were all my buddies. And I used to feel very envious that every Friday they'd get to have confession and have Holy Communion and Mass on Sunday. And I was left out knowing nothing about religion, but Father O'Connor befriended me. Long story short, he said, I'll never forget this wonderful quotation. He says, and if one day I ever convert you, you you little heathen, your name will be Patrick Aloysius Ignatius Xavier Noriyuki Morita. (laughs) And when he decided to go to show business, he decided to take the name Pat. uh, Different kind of confessional. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've met an Irish priest that would have done just exactly. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> exactly. I, I, I had forgotten that anecdote until just this very oh, minute. Oh, that's awesome. So let's talk about the different characters themselves. So we have Daniel. Like I mentioned, he was, I think he was maybe 13 or 14. It must have been 14 starting freshman year in high school, I think it was the idea. And he's an Italian kid from. Looked like lower middle class background when we see the opening of that scene and what is the means or lack thereof that he does mom have. They come from this old neighborhood in, was it New Jersey, I think? Yeah, yeah, Jersey. Jersey kid. And he's got the accent. He's got the attitude. It's a very stereotypical New Yorker kid going. And then you get to California where it's a whole different attitude and way of life. It's interesting that he's isolated in a lot of movies, he'd get a sidekick friend. He'd have a buddy, usually another another kid who's even worse off than he is or something along those lines. But he remains isolated, mostly, apart from Allie. He gets the girl. But I think that's an important aspect because it means he's dependent on Mr. Miyagi for most of that. Um, but what do you think of, of, of Daniel as a character? He gets a sidekick briefly. And then at the beach, when he gets his butt kicked, he... Loses that right. sidekick is okay. This guy's kind of a loser, and then then he's on his own. But yeah, I, he's identifiable. He's annoyed by things going on that he has no control over, and I hate this place. I hate this school. I hate. Oh gee, I think I can identify with him. There's a lot of things I don't like about my life, and yeah, and it's and also just to remember, he's oh gosh, I can't believe I can't remember the kid's name. Roth Macchio, sorry, of all the people, he was yeah. probably 35 um, back then. He was like 22, <laughs> 23 years old, yeah. and he just he's the. He, he's just, and he's playing what, a 15 year old? And there's no way you look at him and you're like, oh, he's, yeah, he's, they found a 15 year old. No, he's probably <laughs> drinking Manhattans and driving into the, the lot and <laughs> some old guy. Mind you, Michael J. Fox and two of them come from the same genes. They're just 
forever young. But yeah, I liked his character and I did his relationship with Allie. The one time he tells his mom and then his mom has to go and he's just like, talking to himself. Like, yeah, she's really, she's pretty. She's hot. Yeah, yeah. She's, mm. he's just like talking to himself. <laughs> she's, she's pretty. And it's a status thing for him. He's nothing else is going right, but he's got the most envious, the best girl in the school is interested in him. Right. And sees something in him. And he goes with that. Yeah, he's a good character. The high school wasn't like my high school. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Movie high schools were never like my high school. For, yeah, you and I, Dom, at least, I don't know where you guys grew up, but we didn't have classrooms where you walked outside to get to the next. <laughs> we had multiple buildings, yeah, but, but it was but, like. No, but you didn't have a classroom door that walked outside and you go into the right, next room. No. This was 10 below outside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah right. and it was like you would get pelted <laughs> with hail and snow. <laughs> right. Nobody wanted that. So other actors considered for the role of, of Daniel were Sean Penn. Now, remember, these were all much younger at the time. Robert Downey Jr., Charlie Sheen, John Cryer, Emilio Estevez, Nicolas Cage. I want to see that movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anthony Edwards, C. Thomas Howell, Tom Cruise, Eric Stoltz, and D.B. Sweeney. This is like a who's who of teenagers in Hollywood, at the teenage men at the, in Hollywood at the time. This, that, it's just, wow. Anyone remotely yeah. tied with a brat pack, basically. Yes. Wow. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I can't see any of those yeah. except maybe C. Thomas Howell. Only because I'm a big fan of The Outsiders. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Tom Cruise just would have been running everywhere all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Cruise would have been the best karate guy there ever was. <laughs> and then he would have had a crisis of confidence. And Allie would have built him back up. And then he would have beat everybody out. And he would have been the best. <laughs> yeah, I saw comedian. that comedian's bit, too, on Facebook. <laughs> I used it in the, when we were doing Top Gun. I don't know what we were doing. It was a yeah. Tom Cruise movie that the last the last time I did one. Every Tom Cruise movie movie from the eighties and nineties was the same it's plot. The same plot. He's again. the best. This and he has a crisis Black of confidence. Maker. And then <laughs> the the girl builds him up, and then he wins out in the end. Like. Yep, Top Gun. <laughs> anyway, they for Mr. Miyagi before they got Pat Morita, they were going to get Toshiro Mufuni. Which, wow, that would have been different. Who's that? Toshiro Mufuni. He was the Shogun. He was in Shogun. He was a big, but he's like the big Japanese actor. He was in all the Kurosawa movies. He was in, oh gosh, what's the name of it? The the, the Ronin movie. He's in Seven Samurai. Seven Samurai. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He's, he's like heavyweight Japanese actor. I love Pat Morita's portrayal though, because it was light. He was serious. He was enigmatic, but it was light. At times, too, it wasn't heavy. It wasn't overbearing, overbearing mentor. And I think that was the right way to go with this, obviously. For somebody who has such a serious life, he didn't take things too seriously. He was caught. Right. He, he joked around. He And basically, Pat Morita's comedy background came through really oh, well yeah. when... He talked about like what his belt was, like JC Penny two ninety five or whatever, and <laughs> just the other little lines. He when when he's pretending he doesn't speak English, and the guy goes, "Thank you, you're welcome." You know, and he walks in. <laughs> you can just deliver that stuff because he has that ability innate. But yep. he he played the serious guy, and, and yeah, you're right. It was just you just felt confident with him around because he's nothing was too big for him. He's, have you ever been in one of these tournaments before? No, I don't know. We'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> I just stole a black belt for you, and then we'll just do this. For Johnny, they were going. They looked at Crispin Glover. Oh no, Chris, mm. that's the, from Back to the Future. McFly, Marty. He, he would not be able to do a pull-up preppy 
role. No, <laughs> no, no. But could he oh, be a bully? Wow. Maybe, yeah, but not a prep. Not a pre- not the whole preppy guy look. No, you could. There, yeah. There's something you you <laughs> just look at, at Johnny played by uh, William. He he just looks like he's probably a jerk. I don't know. Maybe I'm just typecast, but. He's played that character in one. He's played that character in more than one movie, or just being the preppy jerk, jerks tough guy. Yeah, you just want to punch him in the face. You really <laughs> right. do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was every guy that had that haircut. <laughs> yeah. When I was in high school. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, yeah. It was a hockey player in my high school that was that guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same guy. Same personality. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to punch him in the face too. <laughs> uh, he punched me. Anyway, that's the story. But uh, we'll go. We'll, <laughs> I did not fight back on that one. <laughs> did not did go to his level. But William Zabka, this was his first role. Uh, and pretty darn good. I mean, he really. He, and not just his first role, but also Elizabeth Shue's first movie role. Yeah, was she at Harvard? She's, she was at Harvard, right? I know that. She um, was studying. I think she was at Harvard or some big school, Ivy League school. Yeah. And she, I'll try. And she took time out. And I don't know if they shot her on her schedule a little bit, but then she went back to finish her degree. And that's why she didn't come back for the second one because she was like, no, I'm done. Wow. That's, I can imagine the money they wanted to give her to do the second one and to turn that down so you could finish school. It's. Yeah. And she's had a great career afterward. I mean, yeah. And she still had a great career. Continue continuing acting. Mm -hmm. So very interesting. They considered Helen Hunt and Demi Moore for that role, by the way, but uh, Helen Hunt. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Hard to she, believe some of these. She did, I mean, she did Matthew Broderick. She played Matthew. Was it Matthew Broderick's girlfriend in the War Games? Or I mean, she's no, that's the, Sheedy. Ellie Sheedy. Sheedy. Ellie Sheedy. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. But uh, yeah. So with Mr. Miyagi, I love the slow reveal. Again, we talked a little bit about that. That the we don't know much about him, and then we get this more and more about him. I love the the giving the car to Daniel as a birthday present, and that the generosity of him. He. It, his whole attitude is one of generosity. He takes it. He doesn't want to be bothered at first, right? He doesn't want to have this kids hanging around. What is he? And, but he just can't help himself to be generous to Daniel, a kid who obviously needs someone needs help. And he, and maybe Daniel is represents the son that is, that died for him. And that's in, in that sense. And, and he takes him in and he basically adopts him as his own. And, that that relationship grows from there, and it, I think it this is saves Mister Miyagi as much as it saves Daniel by, by the end. So I really like that aspect of it. And he tells Daniel that his father taught him how to fish. His father's the one who taught him karate, so he must have seen himself in Daniel. And it's like I can do what my dad did. Mm. Yeah. So in contrast, you have Kreese. We talked about him a little bit. The military action hero. He, he's so many movie characters. He's like half the guys in Predator, like <laughs> half the half of Arnold's team. And why kid? At one sense, I go, why would any kid look up to him? But on the other hand, because he's cool, he's a war hero. He's 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 strong and powerful. And it's funny because the real war hero is the guy you would never suspect, the mm-hmm. little Japanese man. Yeah, Chris has got the, his picture of him holding the rifle on the wall of his dojo. Mr. Miyagi's got a Medal of Honors in a box hidden away. And that's a big, the big difference. That's like the, big, that's like the biggest. need that reminder. Right, that's like the biggest right. honor, military honor. Which Yes. In case people don't know, the Medal of Honor is the pre- preeminent uh, military honor of all. And like we said, we got Allie. She's the pretty rich girl. A little stereotypical. She's so much uh, more. Come on. 
<laughs> she makes the whole movie. Right. Oh my god! Yeah. Without she, really, it's a flop. Terrible. It's a total flop. Don't even tell me who they were thinking of to put in there besides her because it just wouldn't have mattered. Uh, it was all her. She, yeah, no, she's but she is like the. She keeps him like centered, and it is it is a cool story in the sense of the how he's learning to to figure himself out. He's also learning how to have a relationship and how to be with her and it's working out. But the, their first date and his mom driving him every, every guy's, <laughs> Oh, I feel it. Oh my gosh. And he's oh. okay. Now you just, we're going to push it and you pop the clutch and he's, Oh man, this, <laughs> oh. This that would be the most embarrassing it's a station wagon. <laughs> yes. Oh, Pop, I had explained to my kids what popping the clutch was mm, like, they yeah. had no idea what she was doing to that car. It's, yeah, man. Yeah, it's interesting, the relationship with Allie, because while it wasn't perfect, they did have a rough patch in it, which is stereotypical of, of these. It wasn't the same where she, like, rejected him, and there was a... She still stayed supportive of him throughout, even with the rough patch, right? There was... It wasn't, like... Allie remained a positive element in Daniel's life throughout the movie. Yeah, he, he's the one who rejected her because he saw her, quote-unquote, kissing Johnny and... And didn't even ask her for an explanation, just kind of tossed her aside, which I would have never done. But he did it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. <laughs> <Daniel>. <laughs> oh, moron, don't you know who that is? But yeah. And then he learns from all her friends. You know, I, I don't know if they cut some scenes, but you, you, you learn like uh, when he's trying to make up with her that, oh, all her friends don't like him. They're all like, get away. She didn't like you. She finally got rid of you. So they're part of the rich classes. She doesn't have very good friends. And you know, she was dating Johnny. Johnny and she had all these rich girlfriends who gave her bad advice. But yeah, he finally comes around. And so it's 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 his fault and he has to figure it out. She's really right. never gave up. And then, of course, there's Johnny, who is he could be a stereotype of a bully. But the, the, as we discussed, there's a couple of layers to him. I really love uh, we'll talk about Cobra Kai uh, as a series, but I really love the fact that they've rounded him out. They've given him depth in that series in fact he's the main character of course he is and he's turned into this old crusty old-fashioned guy who rejects technology and still drives the old car and wears the old clothes and drinks the beer it's just hilarious when things come up that he doesn't get or what you do what? It's, just, it's great. <laughs> and he's all laptop. 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Everything. It's yes. Just, it's awesome. I don't know if you guys have guys you went to high school with who are still living in the glory days like they're still <laughs> Everything is they peaked, peaked in, in high school. Yeah. <laughs> and that's Johnny. He's peaked in high school. And this is the, he's the cautionary tale, really. And and he's he's in this movie. He's peaked. We see the peak here in this movie. <laughs> um, at this point, I want to throw it over to you guys of any. What are your favorite scenes or moments in the movie? Any the things that really stand out for you for I'll throw one out. Mine is Daniel catching the fly when like as a beginner, as Mr. Miyagi obviously have been, has been trying for so very long and he was like, beginner suck. And he just throws the, the chopsticks down. Uh, that's one of my favorite things. But what's your favorite scenes in this movie? Uh, uh, Mike, why don't you go ahead? I'm going to take it. There's so many I could talk about, but when he's all mad because he's been doing all this work, I'm, I'm your slave. And then he starts show me sand the floor and show me paint the fence and show me to wax the car, wax on, wax off. And, and he shows him these things and he does the multi-level punch kick and Daniel just automatically blocks it all. 
and it's just Mr. Miyagi like drops the mic. There you go. <laughs> and it's just you're just like, whoa. That's still I still watch that scene and get chills. It's just like, whoa, that is so cool. And then for the rest of the movie, Daniel's just doing the stuff. He's just like, I'm gonna right. and so that's just really cool. The other thing that is not as a distant second, but there's, and there's a lot is when Mr. Miyagi saves him from being, getting a snot kicked out of him at the fence when all the Cobra Kai are in their skeleton outfits and everything. And when you read about that scene, those guys actually got hurt. <laughs> like the kids got really <laughs> hurt by the stunt man that was playing Mr. Miyagi because he was really hitting them and stuff. But that he came in and just basically handled all of them, including Johnny, this little, that's when you're like, oh, he's really good. You did have no idea <laughs> that he knew anything about karate yet. And he comes in and wipes out the whole Cobra Kai gang with no problem at all. So that was pretty neat. How about you, David, your favorite scene? Well, when I was a kid, I always liked the, the final scenes where he beats him with a crane kick and stuff like that. But uh, again, when I got, it's not like I watched it a lot, but after go through college, did the judo club thing and then realized the crane kick, how difficult the crane kick would have been able to be used for any shape or form. And then <laughs> just actually, like I said, I took a class and this little old dude just handled us without, and he had a fake hip to boot. That, that's when my, my, my favorite scenes became the, like you said, the ones where like all of a sudden you realize what all the training was doing for him because I spent like a month or two just being a tackling dummy in a punching bag. I didn't realize I was actually learning anything. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is actually really so. So now, now I always enjoy watching that part the most, even though my shoulder aches when I see it. <laughs> How about you, Steve? So anyway, I like any movie that has a lot of good lines in it yep. that you can use for all purpose things. And one of my favorites is I have teenage foster boys, right? And one of the things I like to do with them is to teach them how to do a handshake properly. And I always pull out that line, look, I always look, I, <laughs> and that's, and I do that. I use it with them every time. If they give me a, a kind of a limp handshake or on everything, I go, no, look, I, <laughs> so that's just one of my favorite scenes. That whole thing, that whole scene right there. And it's Mikey, it was the same scene you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. I, that one little segment. All those thing, things. Daniel does the limp wax on you, wax on, wax off. Show me. And, and he hits him in the head too. Smack. Look, I, Yuck. and then you see it like through the, <laughs> through the whole tournament, Daniel knows how to bow and look in the eye with respect because he was taught. These other kids are barely even bowing because they don't have the same respect. Right. I do want to add that I, I love when he gets the choice of the cars. Like he just, wait, you, you're seriously giving me one of these amazing cars, my choice. It, it's just, can you imagine a, a 16 year old kid getting the gift of a car it just blows my and he mind. knew he didn't have to I, choose he like he knew which one he wanted there was one he loved that yellow oh, one. right who who would not have chosen that roaster <laughs> come yes. on oh yeah. yeah convertible i was yeah. so envious of that yeah and Beautiful then he gets to show ali oh let me show you like a car that we don't have to push <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah. it's the 80s you can drive sure <laughs> i have so many questions about that Mr. Miyagi is working as a handyman in this rundown apartment complex, but yet he has this really cool bungalow and Japanese garden and all these classic cars. And I want to know how right, we got yeah. from military person to handyman <laughs> and everything in between. <laughs> What's his story? Yeah. 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 Military pension? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. What is that? 
They could do a whole. They could do a whole Kwai Chain King Kung Fu thing for Miyagi prequel. (laughs) (laughs) The origin story prequel. The origin story. The origin story. It goes from world goes from World War II all the way to Fresno. <laughs> I would love to see the, that World War II movie. That's for sure. So the big question is that we haven't answered: Is there really a defense against the crane or not? There's also another thing: is the was the crane kick even legal? Because apparently you weren't supposed to hit in the face, and the crane kick just smacked him right in the face. And apparently that was okay. Where other people were getting right. penalties for in the head. So I've seen that whole controversy too, where they just whatever you win, you should have won. <laughs> How we did that on one leg, I have no idea. You didn't even yeah. have a good leg. So any final thoughts on Karate Kid? Steve, we'll start with you. What's your any final thoughts? I like any movie where good triumphs over evil. I I'm a sucker for that. I don't like movies that are too realistic in that they end mm-hmm. without that. So I'm gonna gravitate toward the the good wins and this checks all the box for me. Nice. David? Final thoughts? I think I've said it in the same said it before. I still love the movie, just like it in a different way now. Yep, so. good way to put it. And Mike, final thoughts? Uh, well, besides Ali, yeah, <laughs> I, the memories of seeing it with my dad, and all the way up to falling in love with Elizabeth Shue, and just like really just enjoying seeing Mister Miyagi transform Daniel into a promising young man, and it was just it was just really neat. The line, "You're the best friend I ever had." It's just great. And like you said, David, as for me, seeing it, I loved it as a kid. And as a dad, I love it as well in a different way because it hits differently. And I see new things with it. And it's a classic that should live on. And people should share it with their kids and show them what the 80s was really like. <laughs> Learn karate or get beat up. That's what the 80s were like. <laughs> Ed Pike, martial arts is a great way to teach kids discipline, how to defend themselves. It teaches them a lot about themselves. If you find the right dojo. Yeah. <laughs> and so, Anything yeah. named after a snake, you might want to just stay away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you go, if you find one that's called Cobra Kai, mm-hmm. they probably have the wrong attitude. Uh, in any case. All right. So let's wrap it up there. We'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of movies and TV shows, including Michael K, Josh P, Leslie H, Jeff V and Lindsay S. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of movies and TV shows and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. That's it from us this time. We would love to hear what you thought of The Karate Kid or anything we had to say about it. You can do so by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash secrets or the StarQuest Facebook page at facebook.com slash Media, Send an email to secrets at sqpn.com or visit our Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord. Until next time, Steve Nelson, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of the Karate Kid. It was a blast. Thank you so much for letting me be a part of this one. All right. And Mike Dens, thank you as well. I enjoyed it a lot. And David Hanlos, thank you. Tomo arigato. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of movies and TV shows on StarQuest. Here's another show on the StarQuest network you're sure to enjoy. The Secrets of Middle Earth. Find it wherever you can find podcasts or at sqpn.com slash Middle Earth. 
We'd like to thank Patrick McCaffrey of Moonshadow Studios for editing this episode. To have your audio edited professionally and with care, check out more of Patrick's work at moonshadowstudios.biz. That's moonshadowstudios.biz. 